The passage that you've just heard, read from John 15, is a call to action. So after the call of follow me to become fishers of people, which we heard last week, and before that final call of go out into the world and make disciples of all people, in between we have this passage, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down, down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends, Jesus says. Blessed Absalom Jones is celebrated in the Episcopal Church today, February 13th, today is the day. Absalom Jones was the first black man to be made a priest in the Episcopal Church, ordained in 1802, 1802. Episcopal churches and dioceses mark this celebration that also happens to fall in Black History Month, which is very convenient for us, and as an occasion to remember and renew our commitments both to memory, and some dioceses include in this the Reverend Polly Murray, the first black woman ordained a priest in 1977, the first year that women could be ordained priests, and Deacon Anna Alexander of Georgia, set apart for the order of deaconess in 1907, the first and only black woman set apart in that order in the Episcopal Church in the period that it existed. And she was in uh, St. Simon's Island, so not too far from here, a founder of schools and educator of a generation of, in her time, newly emancipated people. She died in 1947, which is just not that long ago, frankly and some of her students were alive to greet one another at a service that the presiding bishop, or current presiding bishop, presiding bishop Curry, did for her in 2018 in memory of her. Not long ago at all. Friends of Jesus, no question. Friends of their neighbors, which put them at odds with the powers that be in their times. Today, among the great cloud of witnesses that we call saints of the church, Illustrations of the good life, we say, that surround us on every side, particularly closely in times like these when pandemic is swirling around us and death has been very close for so many of us. We are surrounded, friends, by a mighty faithfulness, calling us up to lives of service and transformation greater than we think possible. Like a rallying cry of the Christian faith, pointing us to a faith that changes the material reality of those who suffer in our times, that casts a vision of what is right into the halls of power, which risks all, gives all, without regard for reputation. These last few years, Absalom Jones, for me, hits a little different, like everything else in COVID times. There is something, I think, uniquely for us in these times about his story. So as I'm sure you all know, because you observe this day on a Sunday, which all churches don't, and as you can imagine, the 13th doesn't always fall on a Sunday. But so you all probably know this, but Absalom Jones and Richard Allen founded the Free African Society in Philadelphia, which began holding religious services in 1791. If you look at your prayer book in front of you, if you pull that out on that first page, that prayer book authorization is from 1789. So this is in the, I love that people are checking to make sure I'm not wrong about that. <laughs> Someone will tell me if I'm wrong. But if you think about that, this is not 
an aberration or later. This is not 100 years later. 1789 is that book in front of you, right? 1791. You can today go to the African Episcopal Church of St. Thomas, the first black church in Philadelphia, which opened in July of 1794, the same time that the first Episcopal churches are being established in our country, in that part of the country. Absalom Jones lived in a time during which the value of black life was literally being calculated and set in law. They hadn't decided yet. They could have gone either way or anyway, and we, we know how it went. So if you were able to watch our launch of the Ebenezer St. Luke's Forum last week, you heard Pastor Warnock from Eben Ebenezer note that characters as grand and related to us as the Bishop of London weighed in on the value of the black body at that time and whether baptism would grant that body rights in this country and white Christians' obligations, or to put it another way, the obligations of the church, the Anglican church, to grant to black Christians the dignity of freedom or the possibility of freedom as opposed to perpetual slavery if they were baptized. That was the business of the church, they thought, and was actively engaged and sets the stage for today. We can find letters that would horrify us today in the archives of all of our dioceses from the 1700s, too far, too close to today about the rights of black people to their own lives, to wages and working conditions to be baptized, ordained, to housing, care when sick, dignity and death. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham jail was to clergy, the local Episcopal bishop included, about the need to access to public transportation and many other things, the stuff of this life, a crying out from generations of black Christians to their fellow friends of Jesus. It is important to remember that conversations in public life of that time were often among Christians applying their faith to their humanity and that of others, and the results can be both horrifying and absolutely inspiring, the best of us. Of note in this year is that Absalom Jones and Richard Allen remained in Philadelphia in 1793 during the yellow fever epidemic. Now, I've read that my whole adult life and frankly never really cared much, but boy, do I care this year. In 1793, right? Philadelphia was the capital of the United States. Remember that from American history? A center of medical science and commerce. There's a big port there. During that summer's yellow fever epidemic, President Washington and his cabinet fled the city, as did many citizens who could. The mayor of Philadelphia asked Richard Allen and Absalom Jones, men who had been born enslaved and purchased their own freedom, that is both of their story, to use the mutual aid network. You heard that term the last couple of years, right? The mutual aid network, the first in this country, that they had established to care for Philadelphia citizens. They had established it to care for their own freedmen, right? It was, they were asked to use that to help people sick with yellow fever one-tenth of the city died in that epidemic. Black nurses and helpers of all kinds stayed in the city throughout that summer, caring for the sick and dying of all races, many at the cost of their own lives, like so many friends of Jesus, as deacons and church people have done through the centuries in times of sickness. The epidemic did not see race. Everybody got sick. 
but the science, such as it was at that time, stated that black people were immune to the fever, even though so many were sick and dying from it. This was also in the time when bleeding and leeches were the prescribed therapy, so that wasn't working out very well. So Jones and Allen, who actually, and Allen actually got yellow fever and recovered, printed a pamphlet themselves to refute claims being made at the time by Matthew Carey, if you care about journalism, you know who that was, that black people were immune to this disease and were actually profiteering from it. You think the times are different, but wow, this is how we've always been, right? That pamphlet is the first to be copyrighted and published by black people in the United States, defending that basically they got sick too, and they were just helping. Jones and Allen were clergymen who set up a mutual aid society that served a city blighted by disease while its leaders and the leaders of the nation at the time abandoned it. Now, I'm sure you will remember the mutual aid societies that developed in the first stages of our current pandemic. How do we help our neighbors get the casseroles there, right? Get people some money if they're losing their jobs, get them help, profoundly religious and faithful neighborly thing to do. And I'm sure you're also aware of today's Matthew Carey's and Benjamin Rush's, the doctor who was all about the leeches, right? Prominent citizens of their time whose Wikipedia entries today omit the utter scandal of the time. The literal fake news that was being printed, made legitimate with paper and ink back then, refuted by upstart black clergymen petitioning for the dignity and survival of their friends. Can you imagine the violence that must have been brewing in Philadelphia at the thought printed that black people were exploiting defenseless sick white people? Clergymen. Jones petitioned the U.S. government, based in Philadelphia at the time, for the freedom of black persons. The abolition of the slave trade he was so bold to propose in a petition, and in protest of the fugitive slave law, in which he names our fine state of Georgia when illustrating his point that a free black man in the United States at that time could be kidnapped in a free state and transported to, he says, for example, Georgia, to be enslaved in perpetuity. The sitting government, it turns out, debated this letter. It made it to the top. This petition entabled the recommendations on the fugitive slave law. It says, and it's in the congressional record, in the interest of unity. Absalom Jones was ordained as a deacon in 1795, a priest in 1802, becoming the first African-American priest in the Episcopal Church. What a glorious heritage. In another pamphlet entitled The Causes and Motives of Establishing St. Thomas's African Church of Philadelphia, they were um, wonderful pamphleteers back then, the founders of the church wrote that their work was to arise out of the dust and shake ourselves and throw off that servile fear that the habit of oppression and bondage trained us up in. Isn't that the truth of today? To arise out of the dust and shake ourselves and throw off that fear, that habit of oppression and bondage trained us up in. In his time, Absalom Jones was credited with supernatural powers because he was a fine writer and orator, great speaker, a powerful organizer, a free black man who had purchased his own freedom. How he must have heard the words of those old hymns about ransoms and purchase having ransomed himself, or the words of Isaiah or Moses or Jesus that we hear today in his time, no longer a servant but a friend, Absalom Jones, 
doing in his own life that work of freedom that might seem abstract to us today. And I do hope you feel free from the manifest corruptions of the world today, and they are so many. I hope you feel the power, the knowledge, the wisdom to shake them off. I mean, are there people you think might not feel pain the way you do, or do we act like it? That might not love their families the way we do, or might we act like it? Might not to eat as well or feel as safe? Can tolerate no health care at all or don't feel pain, as they said back then? Prefer to sleep outside? Just don't have the character to be well, not addicted, mentally stable? Who don't need a decent home or the security that a decent income provides? Matthew Carey thought so. Our founding fathers, some of them in this story, went out to their estates and left the city to manage. And the fine scientists of the day asked black leaders to take care of things, believing they did not get sick or that it didn't matter if they did. First responders, frontline workers, 1793. In this week in which our school teachers have to worry around this country what parts of history can be safely taught, when disease deniers are organizing to stop up the works because a mask requirement somehow is the breaking point, we remember today saints of not that long ago in our fine church tradition who took the words of Jesus quite literally. If you love one another as I have loved you, I call you no longer servants, but friends. Would that those words would fall on our ears like the blessed Absalom Jones, Richard Allen, Polly Murray and Anna Alexander, seeing in themselves and their people dignity, hope, and possibility against all odds, with eyes of love and faithfulness, an example for all of us of how to rise out of the dust and shake ourselves and throw off that servile fear that the habit of oppression and bondage has trained up in us, trained all of us up in. What a great cloud of witnesses mark our journey of faith and a journey to the lowest and highest places in this land in our history colored with the many colored lights of the stories like the light that falls on us through the glass in this place may their power rest upon you upon us for this time and blessed absalom jones pray for us